Good morning. Hope you slept well. We slept well, by God's grace. Sometimes being in a new place for the first time, we don't sleep so well, but hopefully you, were, you are well rested. Uh, last night, we began thinking about our theme for this week, which is adoption, being adopted by God, the fact that we are children of the living God, one of the most life-changing and comforting teachings of Scripture that we can embrace and hear and know, that we are children of the living God. But here's the thing, if we are adopted by someone, that could be wonderful news, that can be a great thing, but how do we know if that person loves us? To be adopted by a father is one thing, but to be loved by that father who has adopted us is another. And this is what we want to consider today. And so, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 15. One of the parables of our Lord. Luke chapter 15. I'll read verses 1 and 2. And then 11 through 32. Luke chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. 
His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the reading of God's holy word. So what difference does our adoption make if the person who adopted us does not love us? Sometimes the reality of the Father's love is the last thing to dawn upon us. The last thing that we really grasp. Because again, when we look at ourselves, when we look at our own failures, when we look at our own lack of love for God, when we think about our own guilt, it seems impossible that the Father would love us. That the God of eternity would really and truly set His love upon us. Sometimes we think He loves other people more than He loves me. And this is a tendency we have. And so we become suspicious about the Father's love. On the other hand, um, we might assume that the Father loves us because, after all, we're faithful. We try to do the right thing. Uh, We're not as bad as other people. And so we assume that maybe He loves us a little bit more. Both of these approaches to the Father fail to understand what it means to be adopted as his son or as his daughter. Both approaches try to base the father's love on how good we are. And this parable really helps us to see the love of the father in the right way for his children. And it helps us to avoid those two sinful tendencies that each and every one of us gravitate toward one or the other. And so, although this this, uh, parable is known as the prodigal son, it really could be called the parable of the two sons. Because there are two here that we need to consider. Now, the context of this parable is verses 1 and 2. That's why I read those first two verses. Jesus is uh, talking to the Pharisees. He's telling the Pharisees and the scribes who were offended and complaining that Jesus was eating with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. He's telling them this story. He's trying to help them understand the love and the compassion of the Father. And he's doing something that no rabbi would have done in those days. Sitting with people who were considered the outsiders of society. And so he tells us, And about three things. A lost son, a forgiving father, and a begrudging brother. A lost son, a forgiving father, a begrudging brother. Let's think about the story that the Lord tells us. First of all, there's the lost son. Uh, This young man wants to leave home. He's brought up in a good home, a godly home, a loving father who provided for him provided for his family's needs, but he has little appreciation for that. He's young, 
He's sick of living at home, sick of being on the farm, sick of his father's lifestyle. He wants to see the world. He wants to explore. He wants freedom. He wants to have fun. He wants to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, with whom he wants. And so to do that, he needs to get far away from his father, from his family, and from the community of faith. And the problem was he had no means for adopting the lifestyle that he wants. He needs money. So what does he do? He does something that in any society, especially in an ancient Jewish society, would be considered so awful, a terrible thing, a wicked thing to ask. I want my inheritance now, Father. I don't want to wait until you're dead. I want it now. Basically, he's saying, I wish you were dead so I could have my money. And the father gives him what he wants. He goes on his way. He cashes out his inheritance. And so now he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And Jesus says that the young man squandered everything in reckless living. So we picture a young man uh, going to another city far away and he's living it up. He has the nicest clothes, he drives a fancy car, he's spending money, throwing parties, he's making all kinds of friends, picking up the tab, buying presents for pretty girls, having the time of his life until the money runs out. And when the money runs out, he thinks, no problem. I have so many friends, I'll get a job, I'll make money, I'm smart. But, as providence would have it, right when this money runs out, the economy tanks. And now, he's in trouble. Now he can't find any work. And so what happens? In the severe famine that arose in the country, Jesus says, he becomes in need, in need of mercy. Things didn't work out the way he planned. He becomes desperate. He finds a job working as a swineherd. Not a shepherd, but a swineherd. Feeding pigs. And, and the point there is not that pigs are messy and dirty, or this was a dirty job, but rather this is a job that no Jew would dream of having, because as you know, pigs were an unclean animal according to the Mosaic law. And so most Jews would never dream of this. Jesus' point was that this young man had fallen very, very far from where he once was. He was now ceremonially unclean. He had sinned against his father. He was alienated. He was lost. But Jesus is telling the story in front of the Pharisees. And he says that this man was so desperate, he began longing to be fed with the food that the pigs ate. And he couldn't even afford that. His meager salary was, was so poor, he couldn't even buy food for himself. He needs mercy. And Jesus, of course, is describing the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the sinners with whom he is eating, and the, the people that he is reaching out to. He sees them as alienated as unclean, as lost, as in need of mercy. They needed redemption. The Pharisees, on the other hand, look at these people like they're the problem in society. 
they're the ones ruining the world. The tax collectors, the, the immoral people, they're making it bad for the rest of us. So they look down their noses in self-righteousness, not in pity, not in mercy, but with a judgmental spirit. They're worthless scum. Why would Jesus eat with them? Why would Jesus contaminate himself with this filth? And of course, Jesus didn't contaminate himself by eating with them. He didn't share in their sins or approve of their sins. He simply reached out to them. He sought to build relationships with them. They were lost and they needed to be found. They were in a far country, so to speak, and needed to come home. And so Jesus is there with them. And this is the case, of course, for every sinner. Because as we know, loved ones, it's not the dregs of society who are lost. It's not just them. Uh, We're all lost in our sin. You don't have to be a drug addict or a gang member or a prostitute to be lost. To be lost means to be in rebellion to the Father. To be lost means you don't love the Father. Like the lost son in this parable, being lost means putting demands on God without desiring God Himself. It means wanting His gifts without loving Him as the giver. And that's the attitude that the prodigal son had toward his father. And this is the same attitude that human beings have toward God. Ever since the fall of Adam, man wants to rebel against God. Man wants to go live in a far country. Man wants God's gifts, but we don't want Him. Even though we were made by Him and for Him, to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. We don't want Him. And this is what's caused us to be lost, to be cut off from God to be alienated, to be in need of adoption. As Paul says in Ephesians 2, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is our condition because of sin. That's the category we are in, apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, we're lost, alienated, hopeless. We're no better than the tax collectors or prostitutes. And what we need is a compassionate Father to whom we can return. One will have mercy on us. And that brings us to the next character in the story, the forgiving Father. So Jesus tells us about this Father who is full of mercy. The young man begins to come to his senses. He He's starving. He begins to remember his father's house. And he remembered how his father had provided for him. He remembered how he was loved and cared for and safe. And suddenly, it was not a place he despised. Suddenly, it was home. And he wanted to go back. And he knew that he had sinned so greatly. He had dishonored his father so much. He he, he was so ashamed of what he had done. How would he ever approach his father? He began to see how arrogant and foolish he had been. 
He realized what he had done was wicked. He wanted to go back so badly. But how? How could he do it? The only way in return, of course, was in humility. Was in repentance. And so the young man said, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Uh, This wasn't a plan of manipulation. This was an honest confession from a repentant heart, from a broken person, a desperate person, a person who is truly repentant, feels more than just regret and remorse. He feels godly sorrow for what he's done. He's not only sorry for hurting other people by his actions, but first and foremost for sinning against God. Notice how how the young man decides to tell his father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Not just you, Father, but against heaven. He's ashamed of himself. He knows his sin. He's owning his sin. And he felt that he had forfeited his right to live there and call himself his father's son. So he plans to be a servant, a slave. That's what he's offering. He figures that's the best thing he can do. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he makes the long journey home and which represents a sinner's repentance. And again, it's not merely feeling sorry for the wrong we've done, but a genuine desire to turn away from our sin and go return to the Father. That's what the young man did. And as he's coming home, Jesus says that the Father sees him from far off and he runs to him in compassion. Now this isn't what we expect. We expect the father to be angry with his son, or at least a bit skeptical. We expect him to say, what were you thinking? What happened? Why would you do this? And now you want to come back. You've embarrassed me, your mother, your family. You've shamed us. Everybody knows what you've done, and now you want to come back? You're going to have to prove your love for me. You see, if he had said that, we would get that. We expect that because that's law. We understand law. Law is you get what you deserve. And law is good. Law is righteous. Law is true. There's nothing wrong with the law. And we expect that. But the beauty of this story is that that's not what the son received. The son received something we don't expect, which is mercy and grace. Grace is counterintuitive. Mercy is not getting the judgment you deserve. Grace is getting something wonderful that you did not merit and did not deserve when you were in a demerited position. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't come naturally to us. As one one songwriter put it, grace takes the blame. Grace covers the shame and removes the stain. And that's what this young man's father showed him. Jesus says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, 
ran and embraced him and kissed him. He grabbed his, he did something you would never do in the first century as a dignified man. He picks up his robe, he tucks it in his belt, and he goes running like a boy to his father, to his son. That's his love for his son. It's amazing, it's counterintuitive, it doesn't make sense. But that's grace. In a certain sense, grace doesn't make sense. And he goes, he embraces him, he hugs him, he kisses his dirty cheeks. My son, my son is home. He's alive. He's with me again. He probably figured his son was lost and dead forever. There's no internet, there's no phones, there's no way to contact. He's gone. And his son had returned. The young man goes through his confession. Father, I'm so sorry. Tells him how he was wrong. How he wasn't worthy to be called his son. And he's hoping there that it, there might be some way to win his father's love for him. Some way that he would be approved again. He, he offers himself as a slave. Father will have nothing of that. The father's favor and approval cannot be won by anything the son does. He already loves him. He loved him the whole time while he was away, even when his son hated him and was squandering his whole inheritance. He never stopped loving him. And now, hearing his son's confession, he doesn't say, well, let's see, here's the ultimatums. Here are the rules. Here's what you must do. Show me you've changed. Show me you want to repair the relationship. The father gives him nothing like that. No ultimatums. No statement of terms. Instead, he kills the fattened calf. And he throws a party. He clothes the son in the best robe. Puts a ring on his finger. Gives him shoes to wear. You see, the Father in this parable is a description of our Father in heaven. And this is how He treats His sons and His daughters when they repent. He showers us with His love. It is impossible for the Father to withhold His love from us. When we come to Him, we confess, we repent, He receives us. We cannot earn his favor by becoming his servants as the prodigal son thought he could do. Instead, he freely gives us his favor. He does not give us ultimatums. He doesn't say, here are the terms. Here are the things you need to do in order for me to trust you, in order for you to be my son, to be my daughter again. No, we are already his children, as we heard last night. And so the father treats us accordingly. It's amazing. The son should have been the one bearing gifts to the father. Instead, he comes empty-handed. He comes with only his dirt and his filth. And it's the father that gives gifts to his undeserving son. He did for his son what his son could not do for himself. Clothed him, restored him, loved him. And by now, the Pharisees, as they're hearing the story, they should have been able to guess that 
Ah, okay. The tax collectors and the sinners to whom Jesus ministered, with whom Jesus ate, are like the lost son in the parable. But then Jesus, at the end of the story, brings another character in. And it represents the Pharisees. And this is the begrudging brother. The older brother didn't have the same reaction as the father. And instead of dropping his staff and running to the house to embrace his brother who had come home, he becomes angry. He, he becomes uh, frustrated and he refused to join the party. In his mind, the brother was nothing but a loser. In his mind, the brother had disrespected his father and his family. And he looked at the house full of people eating and rejoicing and singing and dancing. And he's angry. He couldn't understand why his father would show such kindness and compassion on his younger brother who had failed so badly. The older brother felt this way because he didn't understand compassion and mercy. You see, he too was lost. There are actually two lost sons in this parable, not one. One thought he could win back his father's favor by becoming his servant. And the other thought he had earned the father's favor by working so hard for him for many years. Both were lost. In fact, the older brother was actually farther from home than his younger brother while he was away. For the older brother was self-righteous. He was proud of his own achievements and hard work. And he refused to believe that he, 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 this brother deserved the father's love and appreciation. And that's why he's so confused and so angry that his father showed compassion on his younger brother. But in reality, this shows us that the older brother really had no love for his family at all. What he really loved was himself and his own reputation. The security... Of knowing that I'm right with my father because of who I because of what I have achieved. While the younger brother made an idol out of entertainment and left home to serve that idol in reckless living, the older brother made an idol out of his hard work and his achievements and his reputation. Instead of rejoicing with his father that his brother had returned home, he demanded to be paid what he felt was owed to him. He wanted recognition, which shows really that he too was just working in slavery for the father. If he had really loved his brother, he would have ran and embraced him. Actually, if he really loved his brother, what he should have done was gone to the far country and go find his brother and bring him home. And the older brother in Jesus' parable depicts the Pharisees who were listening to this story. Here they were, upset that Jesus was receiving sinners. They should have been rejoicing. They should have been happy that here they are eating with the master. Instead, they were angry. And what Jesus was doing was assuming the role of the true brother. The true brother who searches for his lost and wayward younger siblings. The elder brother. 
He was eating with tax collectors and sinners, receiving them because they were lost. And he was bringing them home. And that is who Jesus is to us, loved ones. He's our elder brother, the firstborn of the Father. It is only to Christ that the Father can truly say, Son, all that I have is yours. And yet, the Son became a servant so that we too might become sons and daughters of the living God and be given the same inheritance as Jesus, our elder brother. The Father, who is full of compassion, sent His only begotten Son to rescue us in a far country. As the writer to the Hebrews says, He had to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might make propitiation for the sins of the people. The elder brother loves us so much, he took our blame. He took our shame. He took our punishment, the punishment we deserved. And in place of that, he gave us his righteousness, his inheritance. He pursued us. He found us. He clothed us. And he's brought us home. And given us a place at the table. That's your elder brother. That's the Jesus you worship. That's the Jesus to whom you pray. That's the Jesus whom you trust. He didn't leave us in the pig pen of our sin to face the judgment we deserve. Instead he had compassion on us. And rescued us through his life, death and resurrection. And in exchange he gives us. His perfect righteousness, the best robe, so that coming home to the Father, we are acceptable. We are ready for the party. And He's preparing a party for us. And we get a little taste of that each week in the Lord's Supper. But that party is coming. And coming home to the Father, we receive all of the Father's favor. Not because we earned it or deserved it, but because of His grace to us in Christ. The Father has shown us His favor not because we're decent and hardworking people and not like the dregs of society in the way the older brother thought of himself, but because He has had compassion on us, because He has adopted us as His own, and we are the children of the living God. So don't be afraid to come to your Father again and again and again. Daddy, I need another shoelace. He hears you, he receives you, and he loves you. Uh, The early church father, Ambrose of Milan, planted five churches in Milan in the fourth century. He said of this parable, Do not fear that perhaps the Lord will not receive you, for He has no pleasure in the destruction of the living. Already meeting you on the way, He falls on your neck. He will order the robe, the ring, and the shoes to be brought. You still dread harshness, but He has restored dignity. You are terrified of punishment, but He offers a kiss. You fear reproach, but He prepares a banquet. We receive that each week as we receive the wine, the bread, a foretaste 
of that party yet to come. So the question this morning is, which are you? Are you a prodigal? Or are you a Pharisee? We all lean one way or the other. Are you a prodigal far from your father's house? Do you find it hard to believe that the God of the universe, the Father Himself, really loves you? Even though you've had failure, even though you have guilt? Or are you a Pharisee? Looking down on others as dirty sinners, but thinking of yourself as a good and decent person who deserves God's favor more than they do. Well, we need to hear the words of Jesus in these parables. And the Father calls us to come home, to repent, to come home with the faith of a little child. He calls you to come into the feast and to rejoice. He calls us all home today. Prodigals and Pharisees alike. He calls us sons and daughters because of His Son, who is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Our older brother is preparing a feast for us now. And we will see him face to face. And so let's rejoice as the children of the living God. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we come to you through the righteousness and the blood of your only begotten Son, who came to a far country to rescue us. And, O Lord, we confess as we hear these words that we are often like the prodigal, wanting to run away from you, wanting to squander your gifts, finding it hard to believe that you could ever love us because of our sin and our failure. We are often like the Pharisee, looking down on others, despising them and assuming that you must love us more because we think we are better than they. Oh Lord, we confess our sins. We ask for your forgiveness. And we come to you today, O oh Lord, empty-handed through the blood and righteousness of our elder brother. We come to you with the faith of a little child. And we ask, O oh Lord, for your forgiveness. And we thank you for your promise that you receive us. You've clothed us in the righteousness of your Son. And that we are yours now and forever. And the best is still yet to come in the resurrection for which we hope. Hear our prayer today, O Lord. Receive our worship. And bless us, we ask, Father, as your children. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.